Don't count us out yet. We are back from one of our many hiatuses. There's a lot of hiatuses we've been on in the past. Uh, this is the Eternal Student, in case you forgot. Uh, and I'm Dan Clark. I'm joined, as always, by my uh, co-host, Sean Keating. What up, what up, what up? Here we are. Get into our summer vibes here and... Uh crazy time flies and trying to keep this thing pumping and you know it's a uh it's a marathon not a sprint dan so you just got to keep keep at it speaking of that we are talking to the marathon man himself sean just finished up the uh grandma's marathon in duluth minnesota uh 26 miles of pure ecstasy point two Oh. Don't forget the point, too. Yeah. How many is the... I'm guessing the kilometers is dead on, right? So, interestingly, the original marathon from the guy who ran the message about something... Some uh, message about a battle that was won and collapsed and died, and that's how the marathon started <laughs> in 1896. But that was 25 miles... And the reason it's 26.2 is something with, a, I think, a queen, Elizabeth, something wanted the marathon to start and end at two particular venues, which then it ended up being 26.2 in the 1896 Olympics, and that's what's been used ever since. So, Did he deliver the message before he died? I think so. Yeah, I think that's the story. And then, the, and then to honor him. Oh, there you go. That's how this started in the Olympics. I thought maybe the next guy was like, I could do that and yeah. not die. <laughs> so we're we're honoring a dead guy. Um, do you know his name? Is his name John Marathon? I don't. It, well, he ran from Marathon. Was it from Marathon to Athens? That's that's where this comes from. So um, It's in Greece, huh? Yes, in Greece. Interesting. I did not know that. A little, yeah. A little history lesson. A little was history. That, said something that a uh, fellow runner told you on the well, path? I actually looked it up yesterday because at my camp, uh, I try to do a story of the week, and that was the story of the week yesterday was how the marathon started. And uh, a lot of a lot of, people, a lot of the kids didn't even know how long a marathon is. They just knew it was long. Yeah, I don't um, – yeah, what, what originally inspired you to, like, I don't know, choose that as your – Next feat of strength, as they say. Because, I mean, I don't know. There's tons of things. There's triathlons. There's all those tough mutters or whatever they call them, Trojan races or mm. Spartan challenges or I don't know. There's a lot of, you know, mountain climbing. Um, there's so many different endurance challenges. What made you land on the marathon? Because you're, I mean, were you a runner? Always, and you're like, I can do this because I'm such a natural born runner. No, um, I did run in high school and uh, made a state track meet as an 800 and high jumper and and some relay stuff. But, um, you know, I think I've always, I think it's just one of those things I wanted to have on the bucket list. So I always had it in the back of my mind. And then when I turned 38, um, 
I had read a book by Ben Hardy, and he talked a lot about writing writing letters to your future self, which is something I think a lot of high school English teachers have done in the past with their students and different things. I kind of he kind of has a different twist on it, using it to um, set some goals for your life. And and is there categories you're supposed to like? Yeah, write about. It, it really, you can take it where you want. But what he has found through his experience doing it is that writing a letter two years out is about the sweet spot for him. Um, he feels that if he writes it too far out, like five years out, it's too far away. You know, six months is too short. So he, he likes the two-year. And um, so I did that back when I was 38. And, and the biggest, you know, I kind of had different categories from, you know, you know, things as a father, as a husband, as um, a teacher, coach, financially, um, and then fitness was something that came to mind. And, and for me in my thirties, you know, having been married and then starting the family, uh, my fitness just really, I had a tough time when I quit playing basketball, um, in my late twenties as like a, you know, I'd play a lot of amateur basketball, like tournaments and leagues and whatever. When I kind of quit doing that, um, uh, because of coaching mainly, um, I just was like, what's the point in like just going to do a 30 minute workout or an hour workout? I hear you, brother. <laughs> so when I turned 38, I just kind of felt I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired and not taking care of myself. So um, I got into to working out more consistently, but it really wasn't until about a year ago now. So I would have been uh, late into my 38th year, I guess, and uh, hired a trainer, started working out with her twice a week, and then... Um, I ran a half marathon and I said, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to run a full marathon next year. I registered for this race in Duluth and I'm like kind of one of those, I've always read about a forced function. Like if you sign up for something, pay money for something, and then you tell everyone that you're doing it, you, you're forced to do it because you don't want to let everybody down. Um, and then what ended up happening that I couldn't have predicted is, is that, you know, into my training here when I started in January, then into March, um, my dad started having more and more health issues. And, um, I kind of used, you know, my dad as motivation and to raise some money for what he's going through with some Parkinson's and dementia and, and things like that. And so, um, you can see how people, I mean, right. I've always talked to my students about, you know, nobody, once something affects you, right, it personally, you're going to, you know, you're not going to go just run a multiple sclerosis run or whatever, unless somebody in your family is probably affected by it, right? Unless you have a friend that is just, they, they've been affected by it, right? So um, I can see how people run races like this or do things um, like it. And I also read a book last year called the comfort crisis, which is all about how comfortable we are and we need to kind of push ourselves outside our comfort zone. So this was definitely <laughs> doing that. Um, and for me at age 39 and not a runner, I remember when COVID started and I went to go run one mile and I could hardly breathe. Um, and that was about two years ago now. And, uh, since then I've kind of slowly built back up and um, I did it. I was not the fastest guy. I was definitely pretty slow and you always wish you could do better. But um, for me, I did the best I could and uh, it was, it was quite the deal. That's uh yeah. I mean, I always like to try to put that mileage onto like <clears throat> landmarks or like distance between 
towns or cities. And, uh, yeah, you think about how long of a distance that is when you're talking about, like, on foot. I mean, even if you're, like, going by wagon, I was thinking about this, too. <laughs> like, back in the day, I think they only traveled, like, you know, that distance yeah. in one day. Even less, I think. And I don't think I don't think most people traveled. They probably didn't have paved roads back then. So no, but I think yeah. they, they made like fifteen miles a day on a wagon. So like that's it's kind of crazy to think that you know that is doable and done frequently by humans all the time now. And the guy who won it was two hours and nine minutes. Jesus, <laughs> it's insane. Um, and I mean, even like thinking about that, people <laughs> like that seems like a big enough feat. But then there's people that are like. That's not enough. I must go further. I yeah. must run for 24 hours. Yeah. You know, the David Goggins types. Which so my good friend JP, who I think we're going to have on here in the next couple of weeks. Friend um, of the show. Always friend of the, the show. There we go. And uh, coming out with this, or already out with his new book. But yeah, he just ran a 74-mile race in the mountains of Ireland. Took him 21 hours. And uh, he's now planning... Some 200 kilometer famous race in Europe in September. That's, I think, that I don't know what that is, 125 miles or something. Um, so, yeah, there's always people looking to go further and push even harder. And I think, obviously, it's different for everybody. Um, for me, this was, this was a start. Um, the training is the biggest thing. You know, it's, uh, I did about 20 weeks of training and, you know, every Saturday, it's kind of my long run day, longest run of 20 miles, but there is plenty of runs over 10, 12, 15, 18 miles. And so, like, is there a point in that training where those runs are, they're, they're what, the norm, and you don't feel that terrible after them? Like, you just kind of, you've built up enough endurance at some point where it's like, oh, yeah, just did 15. That's good. Yeah. I mean, I think the training, right, is to prepare you. Uh, the best best it can and so yeah it does get it definitely gets easier and yeah there's days where it's like oh that's just 12 miles that was easy like not easy but I didn't feel super uncomfortable now, obviously if you want to run faster and really push yourself for time and all that type of stuff yeah you could you you could there's all kinds of things and I see how people get addicted to this so when I was running um, I was we were running with a pacer which is somebody that runs at a certain speed if you're going for a certain time, right? And so for me, I was running about 11 minute miles. And so this guy was um, <laughs> holding, you know, holding this sign, 67 years old, running his 602nd marathon of his life. And um, pretty insane, right? So there are people like that, that, you know, are going to run 30 marathons a year or whatever that equates to be. Um, and then there's, you know, people like me out there for the first time. But what's amazing is just watching. Yeah, it, it really is. I, you know, and I got quite emotional running for various reasons. But then when I got done, and you're still seeing people come in, and of I, all, I beat all of you. <laughs> <laughs> but it re it truly is like you run your race, like you run yeah. your race, and the support and the the crowd and the way people cheer you on and the way you look at a 
you know, these people of all shapes and sizes and ages. It's, it's truly is, it's, it's, it's inspirational for sure. Just watching all that go down. So it was a really cool experience. Um, beautiful running on Lake Superior, um, beautiful day. It was like mid fifties. The sun was shining. They played the anthem. The fighter jets flew over us, started the race. And then later on, you're like, this is a long ways. Like <laughs> you get bussed up there and you're like, well, there's no way home other than I got to do this. So, <laughs> well, there's probably a sweeper at the end, right? Where yeah. if you like, you don't get a certain time limit. They just pick you up and you're like, all right. Well, what they'll do year. is they'll just shut down the course, you know? So they're, I, I don't know what time that is, maybe seven hours or something, but, um, uh, so what did we do? We are you comfortable sharing what time? What, yeah, what was I your was time? five hours and four minutes. And do you? So are there periods where you have to just like you you have to walk? Yes. Oh. So because I always thought I always I don't know when I was a younger I pictured everyone just running no matter what all the way to the end. But then I realized like oh I bet some people just like take a little break and walk like a mile or two. Yeah, I mean there's definitely all kinds of strategies. Um, some people I remember, you know, they'd run past me, then they'd start walking for a little bit and then they run past me and start walking for a little bit. I'm more of a, just kind of slow and steady. And then at the water stations, I had water stations about every two, three miles, you grab a drink of water. They'd have water power aid that have ice. They'd have Vaseline. If you had some chafing, they'd have, and of course you'd have some people that are, you know, offering at just random houses or people pickles and beer and jello shots and <laughs> really oh yeah anything um uh there was one station offering pancakes and orange juice so you could grab a pancake on your way um barf it up a mile down the yeah, road yep so <laughs> it's yeah and i obviously people that have done a bunch of them have much more knowledge than i do but um yeah it's it was you just learn so much about not just yourself, but then um, the race and yeah. Is there, is there, so do you have conversations with your, your little group or do you just, are you alone with your thoughts? Do you have music on? How yeah, really that? everyone's different. Uh, I was lucky that I had two of my best friends from high school that ran. We all ran together. We decided to run together. We probably all could have ran at little different paces. You know, one guy could have ran probably, 20 minutes faster than the rest of us. One guy, you know, but, but we were pretty close in what we wanted to do. And we just decided since it was all of our first marathons, we would just stay together and push each other at the end, which I definitely needed. Um, because once it got to mile 20, it was like, damn. So 20 was the, was the training mile, the final, the largest training mile. So did yep. it, did, were those last six, like yeah uncharted territory and like very difficult to get through or were you yeah walk me through the last six miles i guess how does that play out yeah it's definitely like yeah because you've never done it before so it was i mean i was still feeling okay and you know that you're going to feel pain you know you're going to feel uncomfortable which is why you're doing it right i mean you're not doing it to just be comfortable the whole time you're doing it to push yourself and so you know that's going to happen, and then it's the mental side of it. Um, but, yeah, then there was about a mile, you know, there was a hill, and then there was this downtown experience, which was really cool. There was a ton of people, and I had some people that that I knew that were there that were cheering me on, and it was a really high adrenaline rush at about mile 23. 
and I'm running through that and feeling amazing and feeling all the emotions, the runner's high and all of that. And then, and then that ended and there was still two and a half miles left and my legs were dead. And luckily my, my personal trainer, Rachel, she, she jumped in and ran the last two to kind of get me to the finish line and talk me through it. And, um, so you can do that. You can like jump. Yeah, in you can jump in and run. And then, you know, once it got to the, the last turn, she, she, faded off so I could kind of enjoy that moment and my family was there and my kids and all that and so a lot of different emotions as you like once you see that finish line you know and when I sat there and watched at the end I mean everyone yeah you're feeling different things and everyone's running for some reason right some purpose some you know everyone's got kind of their own thing and um, obviously the stuff going on with my dad it meant a little bit more to me but um, everyone's got their their kind of own thing, whether they're trying to run for a time or they're trying to, you know, push themselves or so it, it was a neat experience and in great senses of accomplishment to cross the finish line too with two of my best friends and um something that we had never never done before. So how long does that high last of finishing a marathon? Is it over now? Or are you still riding it how many days after? Five yeah, days after? No, I mean, <laughs> it's over, but yeah, you feel yeah, you feel accomplished, but then you also feel like, gosh, I could have done better. <laughs> I could have done better. Why didn't I get a better time? Why didn't I feel better at the end? Why didn't I push but what, myself? But while you're running, though, it's like you have the thoughts of I'm running my race, don't you? You do. Cause I, so I remember, so just kind of a, I guess I'll try to relate here. So we had the school fun run, what, I don't know, a month ago now? And uh, I remember I was... I was just talking a lot of trash to all my classes <laughs> saying that, you know, I'm gonna, I don't care if Keating's going to train for marathons. I'm going to beat him. I'm going to beat him. No problem. Just like that idea of mm -hmm. I wanted to be the heel in pro wrestling. <laughs> Always claims like he's the best, but he's, he loses. And then he's still like, what? I'm still the best. Yep. You guys don't even get it. Um, and I remember as I was, I was running with you and then you'd slowly like, you just start to get like a foot more in front of me and a little bit longer and there was like a moment where i was like i realized that you know it was foolish to try to compete with you <laughs> and that's like there was just this realization like oh i don't really i don't care like i'm just trying to you know i mean obviously like trying to uh beat you for a certain point of that race made me run I think like i think i averaged like an eight minute mile or something like that and i when i run by myself it's like 11 um, so that's kind of cool to think about, but in that moment, I just realized like, oh, I'm just, I'm running for myself. Like I'm not running to mm -hmm. like prove anything to anybody else. I'm trying to prove this to myself that I can be better than I did before or, you know, um, just trying to improve upon what I was as a person. And I guess I'm curious what like are some of the stranger thoughts that popped through your head as you run 26 miles because i'm sure you went through the whole th gamut of emotions of you know elation like you just said like you had that runner's high you you know i'm guessing you thought about your dad a lot on the run or were there any just random strange thoughts that popped in your head <laughs> that you're willing to share like did, um, you, did you like start thinking about <laughs> life itself and what this was this existence that we have. Yeah. I mean, I think 
not even just the marathon itself, but like all the runs leading up to that, right? I didn't really train with people. I trained by myself, um, did a lot of audiobooks, podcasts, but late, you know, late in my training, I really got to the point where I just, I, I didn't bring headphones and I, I did get to a piece of like, um, trying to let your mind completely wander, get lost and, uh, enjoy just being outside and, and the experience. So I think, yeah, as far as weird, I mean, uh, on the actual marathon, I mean, there's all kinds of signs. There's people doing weird things. One guy proposed to his girlfriend. And she uh, ran away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or did people dress up in costumes? I would, I would assume that would be a thing. There were some people, yep, on the on the route. There was an Elvis. There was a big bird. There was... A big bird, nice. Uh, yeah, a few different things. There was live bands. There was music and... Yeah, I mean, I think I read something that, like, if you run a marathon, you're in the, you know, half percent of people that have ever, you know, done that. So that was kind of cool to have something like that checked off the bucket list. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's like anything. Like, you got to find your thing, right? And I can see how people, runners, find that. I can see how, um, you know, people push themselves to do these ultras and these crazy races. And um, it becomes very addicting, just like anything can, right? Um but yeah, I learned a lot about myself and um, good step in the right direction. I have to remember that I'm, you know, I'm not a young, <laughs> a young man anymore. I'm, I'm, you know, by uh, life expectancy, halfway to the grave, as I tell my students. And, uh, you know, it feels good to do something like that when your body, you know, your body still can. And I'm sure the guy who's 67, and I'm sure the other guys and gals that were in their 60s and 70s and there's a couple in their 80s running the marathon um they're doing it just because they can and like their body can move and like there was a guy with a broken shoulder he was still running the marathon there was people that had terrible knees and hips and they're just chugging along and like you can tell they're in a ton of pain but they're like they're almost doing it with a smile um which is crazy so it, it, it really, I, I would encourage if you've never been to a marathon, like just to go and even watch like people cross the finish line. Uh, I think there's a lot to, to learn from that. And um, yeah, really, really cool experience. Will you do another one in the future? I think so. The same one, you're going to sign up for the grandma's marathon every, every year now? I don't know about every year, but um, yeah, I think I definitely have the feeling that I'd like to improve my time a little bit and um, try to just learn a little bit more about nutrition and the training. and um, Yeah, because it kind of just opens up like, you know, it's not just about that one day. It's about, no. it's so many more, you know, pieces of information you learn and the training, like just, just thinking about running, you know, the training sessions without any music and just with your thoughts alone. Think about how many hours of that training you had to do mm -hmm. and just think about all the books and podcasts and, you know, maybe not even, things that weren't even related to running, maybe that you learned, you know, that's all thanks to that, the one day that you signed up for, but there's just like, that's just the, that's just the door opening. And there are, you know, so many more benefits than just the medal that you get at the end. It's, it's, you know, it's the information you learned on the, on the run itself in all the training sessions, all the thoughts that you had that, I don't know, just helps you like 
think about life a little bit and what you what you prioritize or what you want to prioritize. And maybe it makes you able to write those letters to yourself a little easier because you've, you know, it just allows you to work on yourself. It does. You know? And like we were talking, we didn't really talk much about graduation this year on the, on the podcast. And, um, you know, the marathon analogy, and I don't know how I've never used it in basketball much, but. Uh, Cause you never ran one probably. It, it really, really, yeah. Clicked. really spoke to me because not only, is it 26 miles? Our basketball season is 26 games. And there's going to be a lot of things that I'm going to, my players, unfortunately, are going to have to hear a lot about this, uh, this, this year. But, you know, it's such a great, yeah, analogy to, to life in itself that there are going to be all kinds of things along that journey. And, um, whether you want to take the race in itself or the training, um, and you're going to learn a lot of things about yourself as you go. And the finish line, right, the end result is is what it is. It's not the most important thing. Um, exactly, yeah. That's a good lesson right there. It's just part of it, you know. And um, you think, right, you visualize what that's going to be like. Like weeks leading up to it, I'm like, oh, what's this, what is this even going to be like? I've never experienced it. I have no idea. Um but then you just have to run your race, right? You have to, and we talk about it all the time that we, we compare ourselves to others, right? Oh man, that person ran this time or they got this or they're just a better runner than I am. And in life we say that, right? That they're just a better student or they're just more talented or they're just, right? They had better parents than I did or, but none of that matters um, if you don't want it to, right? I mean, it's, it's really up to you how it's going to go. And, um, I think one of many things I've learned through this process is that knowledge is never been more, uh, obtainable than it is today. There's, you don't just have to go to an encyclopedia. You can get knowledge from anywhere and that's great, but you can't, there's almost like right overload of it. You have to, you have to take that knowledge and take your experiences and figure out how it applies to you. And that is really what life is like. No situation, no decision you're ever going to make. You know, even if it was just use the race of like, what am I going to wear and how am I going to, you know, stretch before and what am I going to, you know, you're looking at other people and what they're doing and, but none of that you can learn from them, but you have to ultimately do it yourself. And when I think of like kids that just graduated, right. If you used a marathon example and say you're 18 and you're going to live till whatever 80, you're like only four or five miles into your race and you've got a long ways to go, hopefully. And, but you don't know. You don't know what is ahead of the future. and um, But guess what? The best person at figuring it out is you. And too often, I think, we look for so much advice, right? You, you, you just like, oh, you're reading all this stuff. You're talking to people. You're getting advice. But ultimately, all of that is helpful to a degree, but it can just be too much. Yeah, and I, I have had that you know, recently had that same thought of just, you know, don't, 
when you listen to somebody, let's say you like, let's say you frequent this podcast, you know, don't always just follow advice blindly or just become attached to one person's, you know, pieces of advice. I know I'm sure like there are plenty of people that, you know, are authors or podcasters that have listeners that fall into that trap. You know, I've definitely fallen when I was younger. I think I fell into that trap a couple times with, you know, books I've read or podcasts I've listened to. And I just was like, I got to follow this person and listen to whatever they say. And then there was just a point. I don't even know in the last couple of years where I just came to the realization how, you know, those people are faulty individuals too. Uh, you know, and they're, they're not to be followed as religious figures. Uh, because like you said, you're running your race and their advice isn't, you know, it could be relevant for some periods of your life or certain situations, but like at the end of the day, you have to figure out the right thing for you. Um, and obviously those things are going to help you make that decision, but you're never just going to copy and paste something that that person did and expect or hope, you know, the the same thing isn't going to happen. Um, and you have to, you know, maybe you have to do that the wrong way to figure out that that's not the the way to do it. And maybe, you know, you, you know, think about marathon training. Like, let's say you follow David Goggins or something and you follow his advice only and you follow him like a religious figure. And then you realize in the race, like, I'm, I am not David, David Goggins. Goggins. <laughs> Nobody is. Yeah. And. You know, then you maybe realize how faulty it is to just straight up follow some of these, you know, easy to listen to voices, you know, us included. But, you know, it's always, it is good to obviously have some input, but it's, it's also good to realize that that's just a, you know, that, that should only play into a part of the decision and they shouldn't make the decision for you on anything. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a super important thing to learn because um, I've definitely fallen in that trap. And even it could even just be something you believe, right? Like hard work pays off, or like something as simple as that. And you're just like, I'm just going to work hard all the time. Like that's all I'm doing. And I'm just going to work hard and that's going to solve everything. And you realize that sometimes like – yeah, you could maybe work too hard, you know, because you're, you're always sacrificing something or whatever. So totally happens. Like you get hooked on a podcast or you get hooked on an author or a figure and yeah, or whoever. It could be a coach, a teacher, whatever. And you take their advice as gold and you want to emulate what they're doing. But um, sometimes you learn later on as you grow older that, hey, well, yeah, that is kind of true, but maybe it has a different truth or meaning to you um as you age and yeah i think that's that's you have to like create your own like you can listen to stuff but like you have to which is why i think it's so hard right to sit and think about what do i want to do no one has that answer for you like, and if they, if your parent or whoever is trying to give you that or force it on you, it's not going to be, you're not going to feel great about it. Right. And we always have this thing, right. With our parents or whatever, if they tell you something, you want to do the opposite, you know, because 
you want to create it yourself, right? You want to do it yourself. You don't want it to be someone else's idea. You want it to be your idea because within that comes that self-drive. And I think that's why you see people that are confident. Um, they can take some knowledge and go home and think about it and decide, does it fit in with their, their life kind of truth? And if it does, they'll apply it. And if it doesn't, they'll kind of disregard it. Um, which is why, you know, nobody likes know-it-alls that are just telling you, no, 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 this, 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 this. No, how about listen? And then, you do, yeah, you can decide, but you, you're not the one who knows everything because we can't. We can't possibly know everything. We can, some people <laughs> may disagree with that at times, but yeah, and I think, you have to really enjoy every single moment of it and experience it. And you're going to learn something. You're going to learn something about yourself. You know, through your high school experience, you just learned a lot about yourself. Take a moment this summer. Think back on it. What did I learn? Okay. What are, what are my strengths right now? What are some weaknesses? What are some things I want to work on? Um, I always remember leaving high school and just thinking like, gosh, I just want to be more outgoing and I want to be able to connect more with people. But I didn't know how to do that, you know? Didn't know how to do that. I think I had the opposite where I was like, I need to like just retract a little bit <laughs> from all the outgoingness. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, you're totally right. And even if you, even if you just like barely made it across the finish, we'll go back to the race analogy and, you know, in school. But if, even if you just barely made it at the whatever seven hour mark here mm-hmm. and you just dragged yourself across the finish line, like that, that just means you have, that much more room to get better and grow. And, you know, I just, we, I just saw a movie recently that kind of was, it was one of those movies that was just different. It was called everything everywhere all at once. And it was about, it's about the multiverse and it's a sci-fi movie. It's just kind of out there a little bit. Um, But it's also a movie that makes you think about, the little decisions that you make. And so the theory in the movie is that, you know, every decision you make, uh, you know, a multiverse is created with both realities. So like, let's say, you know, I decided to um, go to, you know, drive somewhere versus stay home. Both things happen, but then there's now two universes that exist with both decisions happening separately. And it, 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 it focused on the idea that, you basically can become whatever it is you want based on the small decisions that you make. Uh, and so that, I mean, that kind of, to tie this all in um, to the letter and to the race, you know, at any point in time in this race, you can decide to make a different decision. Maybe it's based on one of those letters that you write to yourself two years down the road you know, you, you write something about your goals, what you want to be like, and then you read it two years later and you realize you're not on that path. You know, all it takes is some small decisions like, okay, I'm going to sign up for a marathon. And just think about how much that small decision, I mean, maybe it's a big decision, but that decision itself just had an entire, uh, you know, boatload of shifts that you had to make in order to achieve that goal and how, you know, helpful it was to just your life in general. Yeah. Uh, I think two quick stories to, 
to uh, share on that is number one, like, so one of my buddies, Zach, who ran with me, uh, we ran a half last, I think it was in the summer, fall, up in the Twin Cities. And um, we were running together, and then he kind of pushed ahead of me and uh, finished a little ahead. And he talked about he was up ahead, and he was really, he was running with another guy that he'd, he'd kind of passed back and forth for the last, you know, five, six miles. And um, he said he got to, like, in this half marathon, maybe mile 10 or 11. And, you know, he just stopped, stopped and started walking. He's just like, my knees are killing me. And I just couldn't go on. Well, this guy that had been running back and forth turned around and saw him walking and came back to him and said, no, 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 you're not walking. You're coming with me. And he was running. He was like 55 running with his son who was running his first half marathon. This guy had probably run like 30 or 40 races and Zach said he got pretty emotional that this guy would come back and then he ran with him the rest of the way to get him to the finish line. Um, and obviously I think what's to be learned by that is that it's not just about running your race. It's about, you know, what are you going to do to help others along the way? Because if you just run your race, you get to the end and yeah, you know, hopefully you have people there to support you and whatever. But um, if you haven't done something for others, you're not going to feel that great at the end. You're going to feel maybe puff out your chest and whatever, no matter how, how great you did it. Um, but it's not going to feel as great as it could with, with other people. And then another random story that goes with that is I just watched a movie uh, on Paramount Plus, Jerry and Marge Go Large, which is a great little film um, about this guy who, I don't know if you heard this story a few years ago, figured out how to beat the lottery in Massachusetts. And there was this game called Windfall, and he was a math whiz and realized one day that, like, holy cow, this game, I could act like the math works out that if we bet enough, we will win every time when this game gets to this thing called the rollout. Well, he grew up in this, or he was in this little town. He had just retired as a factory worker, and not to ruin the whole story, but one, one of the best parts about it was that he could have just done this by himself with his wife and made a bunch of money, but he got people all around town, invited anyone who wanted to buy shares in his little, he started an LLC. And he didn't just make money for himself, he made money for everyone else, where he could have taken it all for himself. And you can kind of watch the movie and get the rest of the story, but um, another great example of how, like, giving to somebody else along the way. So I think for... And to bring it back to maybe our, our high school graduates and, and anyone else along the way, if, if you're doing your job or going through life and you're trying to figure yourself out, that's hard. But you're also going to find way more fun along the way by what gifts you can give to others. And um, I encourage you to think about that as you reflect on where you want to go and what you want to do because a lot of times we get caught up in these jobs. I remember I was like, I'm going to be a dentist and this and that and um, that would have all worked out and I'm sure I could have find a way to, to make an impact and help others, um, doing that and be the best dentist you can possibly be. This is the role I'm in now. And so whatever the role is, right. Whether it's the janitor, the teacher, the doctor, the lawyer, the construction worker, the whatever, like how do you be the best you can and, uh, run your race, do it your way, but also, pitch in along the way. Yeah. Um, all great lessons, all from 
All things that pass through your head while running a marathon, folks. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we'll probably just we'll end it right there. Um, do you have any other final closing thoughts on your marathon accomplishment? No, I would just say if you're just always com- comfortable, think about doing something to make you uncomfortable because, uh, yeah, it was it was great. It Never thought I'd sit at the end and be that happy and excited about it, but but I definitely am and um, couldn't could not have done it without my two buddies that ran with me and then also just the support we had with each other throughout the training and messaging each other and encouraging each other and all that. So um, yeah, don't rule it out. Don't rule it out. 